Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Latch Mama podcast. Um, the sun is shining in Richmond, Virginia today. Holy moly. It has been raining and icing and snowing for like a week straight. And it's starting again in the middle of the night tonight. But today the sun is out and it is amazing. Um, we are coming to you guys today to talk a little bit about breastfeeding, which is, you know, kind of our bread and butter at Latch Mama. We like to ignore it sometimes because it can be polarizing, but um, we are going to talk breastfeeding 101. We are going to strip it down, talk a little bit, huh? strip it down, funny skin to skin joke there. Um, we're going to talk about the basics, um, a little bit about <laughs> some of the science behind it, uh, the do's, the don'ts, all that jazz. Um, so I hope you enjoy it. You're listening to the Latch Mama podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Wirt business owner and tired mom of five. Join us each week as we talk about pregnancy, nursing, parenting, and all things motherhood. At some point, this pandemic is going to end and it will not be Lindy and I coming to you guys every podcast. But until then, we're going to get together and we're going to chat and we're going to hang out. And uh, Lindy and I are both CLCs. Um, For those of you who don't know, It's a certified lactation counselor, um, which is kind of one step down from an IBCLC. So the IBCLC is kind of like the bread and butter. Um, A lot of those practice in hospitals, private practice. um, They've changed kind of the qualifications in the last few years to become an IBCLC. It's it's very hard outside of becoming a nurse first. Um, The prereqs are pretty are pretty strict there, um, and then the hours in the hospital as well. So um, at Latch Mama, we have a multitude of people on staff that are CLCs. Um, so we have some breastfeeding knowledge. We technically could practice, I believe, as lactation counselors. Um, but we just kind of, you know, answer questions as they come our way, help mamas out when they don't know where to go and have questions. Because if we all agree on one thing, it's that breastfeeding isn't always easy, and there's absolutely not enough support. Yep. Right? I agree. Okay, cool. Yes. Um, so where should we start? Should we start at like, okay, so what we're going to do is we've compiled like our top five, like most frequently asked questions at Latch Mama about breastfeeding. Um, and we're going to kind of go through them. I don't have to look at my phone for the first one because the first <laughs> one is always how, like, what are the first few things I can do to make sure that I can breastfeed my child? Because it's very interesting. Like we've come to a point kind of in society where like, we're not empowering moms anymore in terms of breastfeeding. Like, I think there are a lot of people who are scared. It's not going to work. A lot of people who don't exactly know what they can do to make sure that they get off on the right foot. If it's something that's important to them. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's all stuff that you can work on while you're pregnant. And I a hundred percent encourage people to do so. Um, did you take a breastfeeding class before you first was born? I did, but I still was not prepared. (laughs) Did you learn? Do you remember what you learned? Is there, were there any takeaways? It was a long time ago. No. Um, but I have to say, and this is one of my things and we can get into it later, but when I, learned about all this I really kind of thought it was an either or thing and that is a huge we can get into misconception. that absolutely yes. so yeah um, it's a very stressful thing yeah and it's an either or thing like in society because like moms get mad doesn't at each other and it doesn't have to be like we all can live harmoniously together um, but for those of you who want to breastfeed there there are benefits 
to breastfeeding. I mean, you can't argue with science. Like you can't argue with the fact that it is a biologically created substance for your child that they are supposed to be consuming out of the womb. Um, you can't really technically argue with that. So if you have decided that breastfeeding is something you want to do, um, there are classes that you can take while you're pregnant. Most, um, hospitals, I believe offer probably a free class. I know I took one. I don't remember much about it either. I remember they were dolls and they were like fake boobs. But there wasn't anything, and this is like, I'm not going to go off on a tangent, but it's almost like a lot of stuff prenatally. Like, nobody's going to tell you that things feel so incredibly overwhelming. Your identity has changed. Your life is turned upside down. But you're going to remember the fake boob and the baby from class? No, you're Mm -hmm. not. You're going to be staring at this little thing and realize that you have to keep it alive from something that's going to come out of your body and you've got to somehow make it work. Or you see these blissful pictures and it's, it's really not, it's not, not for a while. It's, it it can be a train wreck kind of the first Mm -hmm. few days. So prepare all you can prior to having your baby. So classes, there are a lot of online resources as well. Um, I know there are a lot of like e-classes that you can Mm -hmm. take and research. Um, You know, but then I think you really need to focus on your care provider and advocating for yourself and making sure that your wishes are known. Um, You know, you depending on how your birth goes, you do sometimes lose a little bit of control. Um, You know, there are things that are going to be completely out of your control. And I'm not going to say, hey, if your baby gets some formula right after it's born because its blood sugar is not doing what it's supposed to be doing, you've ruined your breastfeeding relationship and you're never going to be able to breastfeed. Like, let go of that stuff. Because I've breastfed successfully five kids at this point and none of them I have supplemented with. But I can tell you right now, like the amount of stories that we hear from women who are literally in the hospital just after they gave, just after they've given birth, Mm -hmm. their baby has gotten formula for whatever reason. And suddenly they are a mess because they feel like they're not going to be able to breastfeed. No. Yeah. Let it go. I mean, we can talk about whether that baby probably needed the formula. We can talk about nipple confusion. We can talk about what it's like for a baby to nurse or from to eat from a bottle versus a breast. Like we can get into all of that. And yes, it, it can take some work getting them back to the breast if they've been on bottles for a long time. But for the most part, just take a deep breath and kind of get through those days at the hospital. Um, and that, just to speak yeah. on that, that stress. Yeah. <laughs> That stress has huge physical um, effects on your body. So if you can just take a deep breath and not let that stress overwhelm Mm -hmm. you and start to get to you, Mm -hmm. like you can look at options and everything can kind of be figured out. I would um, make sure that if you have a doula, um, that your doula knows that you have the desire to breastfeed, um, which I am going to assume if you have a doula that's worth anything, you'll have talked about that prior to going into labor. Uh, Make sure your nurses know that are, that are working with you, that breastfeeding is something that's important to you. Um, and you know, educate yourself as much as possible. The, the science behind breastfeeding. So what's going to happen is after you have your baby, your placenta, which has been feeding your baby, um, while it's been in your womb is going to detach. And with that, your progesterone and estrogen levels are going to drop. That signals your body to create prolactin, which then creates milk. So 
we can talk about all of the different ways that that process can be hindered with. So if you're looking at like a, a straightforward vaginal birth with no interventions, you're normally going to have that placenta detach relatively quickly. That baby's going to be skin to skin and your milk's going to come in relatively quickly. But there's are there are C-sections that sometimes can interfere with how quickly the milk comes in and how quickly you're really able to hold that baby skin to skin. There are traumatic birth experiences, just like what Lindy was saying, like you introduce stress, you introduce anxiety and all of those hormones, just like when you're PMSing and just like in general, they're they all work against each other and together and it just creates this little storm inside of you that can hinder your breastfeeding relationship. So I know I talk about it a lot, but it is so incredibly important going into your birth that you have the right care provider and that you literally are advocating for yourself for what you want. Yes. I mean, it's just it, it it's just where you start. So mm-hmm. start there. Um, advocate for skin to skin quickly after birth. Most hospitals are doing this. Did you have skin to skin with all of yours? All of mine. My twins were a little bit different of a story, but by then they were my fifth and sixth. So I was a little more. Did they take, they were, they were vaginal in the OR, right? They were both vaginal in the OR. Mm-hmm. And then did you get to hold them? Um, being that, that they were identical, they had some extra things to go over. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband got to hold them right away. I went back to the room. I got to hold them there, but it was maybe close. I don't even remember, but it was close to an hour, but then they were on my chest and yeah. So so. skin to skin has a whole lot of biological impacts. Mm -hmm. Um, your baby's temperature is going to be able to be regulated more. It creates an extensive amount of oxytocin, um, for mommy, um, which is going to help with lowering any of the stress hormones or anything else that's going to interfere with breastfeeding. So if you can really get that skin to skin, if your baby's handed to you and they're swaddled up in 17 blankets, you a hundred percent have the option to unswaddle them and put them on your chest and lay there skin to skin. Like do it. Don't just because a nurse has handed you a baby that is bundled up, that is still your baby and you are still able to do with it what you want. You can unbundle and cover under, your, both, under, bo- cover bubble, both of yourself up. Yeah, and- absolutely. And, uh, you know, hold the baby. Um, so another thing that we get asked a lot, um, well, we get asked a lot all the time, like, how do I increase my milk supply? But we're going to still, we're going to stay in those first few minutes. Breast milk is created by nipple stimulation and draining of the breast. So the more your baby goes to the breast, the more breast milk you are going to make. So just remind yourself of that constantly. Like the more your baby is on the breast, the more breast milk you're going to make. It is 100% a supply and demand for most women, a supply and demand process. Um, So this first few minutes, those first few hours, those first few days, baby should be at the breast pretty much if the baby's awake. If the baby's awake, the baby should be offered the breast. Yes? You agree with that for the most part? Yeah. Sure. I think it can be a little overwhelming for a mother. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, I think that baby needs to either be up there nursing or up on your chest. Mm-hmm. You're touching each other. Absolutely. You know, really encouraging those, that um, milk production mm-hmm. and connection. 
So that first milk you make is called colostrum, um, and it is very, very, very high in antibodies, um, and it looks a little bit different than your other milk. It's going to be a little bit thicker. It's going to be a little bit more yellow, um, and you're not the baby's not going to need much of it. Um, if you want to Google like kind of the size of baby's stomach, so those first few days, I think it's like the size of a cherry yeah, or something. Tiny. It's super small. But what that baby's going to do when the baby goes to the breast is it's going to stimulate the production of milk. So as it clears the colostrum, your body is going to start to create the actual milk. So the more your baby's at the breast, the more your body mm -hmm. is going to know that it needs to be making milk. For me, most of the time I have a pretty good like 12 hours with baby where, you know, it gets a little, they get a little colostrum and, you know, they kind of go to sleep and they're sleepy and whatever. But it's like that 12 to maybe sometimes 24 hour mark where they like turn into little piranhas. Mm -hmm. And even as like an experienced mom who understands a lot about breastfeeding, it can sometimes be a little anxiety driven because you're like, oh my gosh, they're not getting what they need. They're not getting what they need. They're not getting what they need. But they're biologically programmed to suck, to suck, to suck, to suck, to suck, to suck, to suck. And like it goes from like these kind of after those first couple feedings after they're born, they're going to sleep for a extended period of time. And then they're going to come through a period of wakefulness where they're they're hungry, but they're also biologically programmed to find the breast and suck and suck and suck. Try to keep your anxiety down and try and realize in those first couple days that their stomach's not that large yet. They're getting what they need, but they're also doing something that is so important for your body. But during that time, I would encourage you to see, ask if you're in the hospital mm -hmm. or if you're out of the hospital at home, get that help to come evaluate your latch mm -hmm. because I think women you get in there and you're like this is normal like they just need to stay on but then like by the end of like 24 hours yep. like your nipple is now in such an awful shape and is just yep. so battered down because you've been nursing which is incredible yep. and it's doing good things but it's been such a poor latch so now you're in so much pain mm -hmm. but you think like I gotta still keep doing it yeah so it, it can kind of if just you, get yeah. you we need the support but I, I also think that we're throwing the word latch around so much and we're it's not that we're not it's not that we're scaring moms but like most babies are biologically programmed to suck the nipple and if given the opportunity are going to have a decent latch. Now, you, I personally would research as a mom if I'm sitting here and not, you know, not with baby yet. Research kind of what a good latch looks like. It's not, it's not what you would think. It's probably not what you see. I guess you probably don't see a whole lot of breastfeeding on TV. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it's a very, very deep process. Almost your entire areola like ends up in the baby's mouth. Um, so if I would say anything, if you're, if you're kind of assessing your latch yourself prior to getting help or prior to being able to get in with a lactation consultant or see one in the hospital, the latches needs to be very deep. Like that entire nipple needs to be in the baby's mouth. And there's other things that you can learn while you're pregnant in terms of watching videos and stuff on, on what an actual latch looks like and how the suck swallow um, process kind of goes as well but yeah I would use every single resource you possibly have in the hospital right. um 
I don't know. It's so hard because I start talking about this and I'm like, and then you just let them suck. And like, I've, I know personally that I've got to go back to eight years ago and I've got to remember like that it was terrible. I remember my, my nipples bled for that first week, but I remember my, mid, my midwife at the time was just like, the latch is fine. Everything's good. You're doing great. Hang in there. And, but there was really nothing else they could have, they could have told me, mm-hmm. but like my nipples just had to get used to like being yeah. used for something, I guess. Yeah. So with my first, he ended up in the hospital and I had the worst engorgement ever. And nobody really, or I didn't understand and nobody taught me in the IBCLC on staff never really said, Hey, you're so swollen that the milk can't come out. You're producing. But I sat there pumping like a maniac because he was now in the ICU and I didn't really know how to breastfeed. And no one Mm -hmm. just kind of slowed me down and said, Hey, take an anti-inflammatory. It's going to kick in and get rid of that swelling so that we can get the milk out. And you don't need to make this fine hop of doing, I can only do one or the other. Yeah. You know, let's get some milk going, keep your supply going and let's go back and let's work on, yeah. on, on a latch and getting baby to you. And, but I couldn't hold them all the time. Um, but nobody told me about, shared with me about engorgement and how that can yeah. happen. And um, it was huge. It was a huge hindrance. Yeah. And so figuring that out, that's like the other side of the supply and demand. Like it all goes back to that. So we're talking about how to increase your, how to increase your supply, like how to get your milk to come in. And for most moms, I think it comes in for three to five days Mm -hmm. after they have their baby. Um, And for everything that I'm saying, there are definitely outliers on each side of every woman's body and every birth and everything is different. But the other side of this is what happens if you begin making too much milk. So your body is basically going to have to figure stuff out. It doesn't necessarily know how many babies you've had. It doesn't know if you've had twins or triplets or one baby. It doesn't even know if you want to breastfeed. I mean, right. even if the baby doesn't go to the breast, you're still going to end up making milk at some point. Um, most people do. Um, But what Lindy was talking about in terms of engorgement is when your body just makes a whole lot of milk. And for most women, relief is what they search for. (laughs) Let's think about this. You've just either pushed a baby out of your vagina, you have had, or you've had major abdominal surgery. And now not only is like your butt hurting and your like vagina and your belly maybe, but all of a sudden also your boobs hurt and like you feel like literally you have milk up to your chin and it's hard and it's and it's uncomfortable you're looking forward to sleeping on your on your stomach your entire pregnancy and now suddenly you can't can't because it's so painful so for most women there is going to be a little bit of engorgement or a full feeling when your milk comes in Um, and it's something to definitely get used to but for some it gets somewhat extreme Um, and the solution, the quick solution and the easy solution, because we're a consumer based society is to get your breast pump out and to pump. But if we go backwards and you think it's something, you think it's something that needs to get it out. out, There's that combination of milk and swelling. Absolutely. And then you (laughs) get to the point though, where you're like, ding, ding, ding. I wish we had like a whole like student class right now. Like, what did we talk about? Supply and demand. Your body doesn't know that that's not a baby sucking from your breast. So you're going to pull that milk out and what's your body going to do? It's going to make more more. milk. 
So you get into this kind of system where <laughs> your body is completely confused. You may feel better for a few minutes, but your body's going to keep making milk. And so you get into this cycle of engorgement and being uncomfortable. And then that can lead to your scary other stuff like clogged ducts and mastitis and stuff like that. So what um, I have learned from my midwife and from CLC stuff is whatever you can do to get that milk out, the excess milk that the baby doesn't need, um, apart from stimulating your nipples is the answer. So for a lot of people that is like uh, hand expression, which is really interesting in almost every single country, they teach that to every single woman before they leave the hospital birth center, their house. Like it's just a standard part of prenatal care and postnatal care and it, hand expressing is just the thing. I don't think we do that here. And I, I would know why. And I, and I would love to know, is it, is it the formula industry? Is it the fact that we want to sell breast pumps? I have no idea, but it is something that is so incredibly crucial because if you can get that milk out and you can help your body figure out how much milk to make mm-hmm. without stimulating your nipples, um, it's going to speed up the process quite significantly in terms of your body figuring out how to get yourself comfortable again. So, um, there are a lot of resources online about hand expression. Um, warm water helps a great deal with what Lindy was talking about in terms of the inflammation. Um, I was actually just talking with somebody this morning about this. Um, even just like a warm water, like soak while you're feeding on one side. So you're going to have a natural letdown on the other side. Mm-hmm which God, we could talk about this all day long. Um, You're going to have a natural letdown on one side. And a lot of people are using hakas nowadays. Um, Did you ever, did you have a haka or was that after your thing? After. After. So hakas are these Mm -hmm. like solid pieces of kind of silicone that you squeeze and you put over your breast um, on the side you're not feeding normally. And it basically collects the milk that you would normally lose during the letdown. But it's also stimulating your nipple. So yeah, that's where, yeah, so that's, that's where you get in problem. If you get in trouble, if you're already engorged and you're using that on one side, and I don't think there's anything wrong with them, but it's not the same as putting a towel there. It's not the same as taking your breast and kind of leaning over and putting it in some warm water as, as the milk comes out to get some relief. Um, it's pulling your nipple forward and it's stimulating your nipple and milk production. So, mm-hmm. you know. Engorgement's a thing. It's not really something that to really be ignored. I think some beginning uncomfortableness is kind of to be expected, but severe engorgement needs to be dealt with, um, in my opinion, because I think it can quickly turn into something like mastitis or clogged ducts yeah. and stuff like that. And and honestly, all around, it just makes you feel really icky. Yeah. Ugh. And mine was awful, and it was prior to pumping because I, he was at the breast all through the hospital the first two days and then we moved but it was such a hindrance to get that milk out and once once it was gone Mm -hmm. I was like producing wonderfully did you but did you end up having an oversupply from that experience I don't know about at the beginning because he was on the breast for two days like we did all everything you know we were needing to do yeah um and then that engorgement hit and I'd never Obviously, it was my first. I, I had no idea what to do. Yeah, it's, it's so not it was. A, it's not a comfortable. It was awful. It's not a comfortable. So then feeling. I was terrified into my second. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but it all worked out. So another question we get, and this is like the number one breastfeeding question, 
And I think a lot of it has to do with how women feel after they have babies and whether they feel supported and all of that stuff. But how do I know I'm making enough milk for my baby? Go ahead, Lindy. How do you know you're not? How do you know you're making enough milk for your baby? It's it's a very hard thing because this milk goes from you can't see it uh-huh. into this baby and you can't see it. <laughs> um, and I think a lot of people put um, they're like, oh, I can pump and see that. Yeah. It's, it's, no, it's, because it's guess what happens, be guys? You pump and you see. But but your pump's oh. not going to. Yeah. Your baby's such a pro at extracting that milk from your breast that you can't rely on that pump. But we look at baby's output. Mm-hmm. We look at their diapers. We look at just generally, like, are they agitated or are they calm mm-hmm. and fulfilled? Um, so there's you, many yeah. factors that you can look at. You hear a lot about being milk drunk. Your baby's <laughs> probably not going to get that milk drunk appearance until your milk comes right. in. They're not going to get it off the colostrum. They're going to probably act a little hungry while mm-hmm. they're trying to get the milk to come in. Once that milk comes in, after a feeding, your baby should be pretty relaxed. Their muscles should be loose. You should be able to look at them and like between the oxytocin that you made while you produced the milk and them relaxing and stuff, there there should be moments probably in that that should calm your nerves and your mm-hmm. anxiety a little bit. There is also mother's intuition. Like if you're feeling like something is not right, you need to find your resources and you need to reach out. Um mm-hmm. But um, weight gain is also another one of those things. Mm-hmm. I had one that, one, two, three, I have to count which child he was. Number four, that gained really, really slowly. And he might have had some reflux stuff going on. He didn't spit up much, but might have been silent reflux. Who knows? Um, but he gained really, really slowly until mm-hmm. he didn't. And then he gained super fast. I think babies gain on their own curves. But having a really good pediatrician that's going to support you and realize that, um, I think is also really important. Right. Um, what else? And maybe it's off topic, but I remember with one and it might've been my second when I was like really, you know, the breastfeeding mm-hmm. really worked well and I was feeling successful. And at the beginning I had such a powerful letdown. Yep. And so the baby, he, you know, he was just, he was just angry with me and he, he did, he didn't want a nurse. Why mm-hmm. doesn't he want a nurse? And I'm like, okay, like, you know, then I kind of mm-hmm. learn about some positions and kind of lean back and get baby on top so they can yep. kind of control and it's not sport. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's some other things that can kind of go along and you're like, I'm making milk. Well, what's wrong? Why don't they want to drink? And yep. You know, you can kind of look into switching yeah. a position and trying and that's some when, other things. And, and that's when hand expressing comes in super handy yeah. as well. If you can hand express through that letdown, um, you know, that super high powered yep. shoot across the room milk is hopefully going to be out of the way and yeah. baby's not going to get as choked or angry um, right. when they're actually nursing. But like I, I can probably tell you that if you're seeing milk and you're making milk, these issues that we're talking about, they're so common. And I hate, I hate even to use the word mm-hmm. issues. Like they're just obstacles. I don't even know if they're obstacles, but like mm-hmm. there's, we get them probably, I don't know, four to f- these same questions, probably four to five times a day at Latch Mama, just the whole, am I making enough milk? My baby's pulling away from the breast. What does it mean? Um, cluster feeding is also something. Sometimes women feel like they're not making enough milk. Um, after so like you're a few weeks in baby's gaining baby's outputting fine but all of a sudden baby wants to be on the breast all the time does that mean that their milk supply has dropped no (laughs) what does that mean lindy um you know baby's going through growth spurt baby realizes like i need more Uh um 
I need more sustenance to, Mm -hmm. you know, have this this Mm -hmm. brain development and I'm growing and they are, they're there for a reason Mm -hmm. to bring in more milk. And the more that they're there, Mm -hmm. soon you're going to see over a period of time, 24 to 48 Mm -hmm. hours, you're going to see that milk production, um, drastically go up you mean you're obviously not visually going to see it mm-hmm. but hopefully you'll see that baby you know come back down a little bit more and um space those out a little bit more if if they want to yeah um but there's no rhyme or reason there's yeah. no exact there's no exact answer those as to first what that looks like those first few months you are going to be underneath your baby like literally your baby is going to be breastfeeding constantly and like, that's just, I mean, is that bad to say? I mean, it's kind of the I think truth. it can feel overwhelming to hear. Yeah. Um, I don't mean to I overwhelm hope, anybody. And I hope it's, that people know that um, it's 100% normal, but mm-hmm. also what you're going through is absolutely important. Yeah. So, um, you know, I have known and through a couple of my pregnancies, I've struggled mentally, whether it is postpartum depression or whatnot. And that can be difficult when you're yeah. needed all the time yeah but that needing all the time is 100% normal so because what's going to happen is that the breast is not just a form of food no the breast is going to be a form of comfort it's going to be a form of connection it's going to be a form of safety for your baby and as they grow it's going to continue being that so there are going to be some times where you're like you're not even really eating like you're just sitting here on it and you're you're kind of sucking, but I can't even get up to make dinner or I can't help the other kid because you just want to lie here and you want to be on the breast. It's going to happen. It's normal, you know, and, and as they get older, you can sometimes distract them. But in those first few months, like they just want you. And Mm -hmm. it's just this amazing selfless gift that we either decide to give them. And I don't know if there's certain weeks, but from what I've kind of learned and definitely seen in my kids that, you know, those first kind of three to four weeks are, is a very pivotal point as far as supply. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never had a kid that like sleeps through the night after like day three, but I would be a little worried to go kind of six to 12 hours at night without yeah. that milk being drawn out of your breast yeah. as far as for supply. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but just like what we've been saying, like, you know, the more you can get baby to your breast, the more you can kind of establish a, a good supply. Yeah. I mean, normally by that six week mark, your body's going to pretty much be regulated, but that doesn't yeah. mean that you're not going to have growth spurts. Or you're not going right. to have times. Um, but just how important it, it yeah. is. And I think we've stressed that mm-hmm. um, for that beginning. If you do need to build a th- uh, freezer stash, my advice and professional or not is to give your body a little bit of time before you do that. Give your body a little bit of time to regulate what your baby needs, get in that relationship before you introduce the pump. Um, but I've always had most success with a morning pump after the baby feeds. That's normally when I've been able to Mm -hmm. see the most milk. Um, so, you know, wake up, or if you've ever, if you ever went to sleep, but you know, do that good morning feed, um, and then try and pump and try and, you know, get your bottle in the freezer or wherever you're storing it at that point. If, you know, building a supply is something important to you. Um, cool. Anything else about those beginning weeks? It's breastfeeding is natural, but it's not easy. And anybody who tells you that it's easy either had a really, really good go at it or had really, really good support. Um, we don't make it, extremely easy for moms, especially in the United States to breastfeed. Um, 
it's very rare that your baby's going to have a great latch completely mm-hmm. out of the womb. And if they do, there's always the chance that you're going to have questions and you're going to have, you know, normal normal anxiety about whether you're making enough because it like you said it's this unseen thing you can't see what's going into baby you just kind of have to trust that it's all going well so it all goes back to everything I preach you know pick the right care provider pick the right doula have people in your life that um, are going to be there for you on the other side and it's not just swaddle blankets and pretty coming home from the hospital outfits like this is <laughs> this is really, really important stuff that if you yeah. do have the headspace to think about it while you're still pregnant, do it um, and get the resources in place. And I don't know if you felt that way, but um, each kid was different. And every time mm-hmm. there was a big part of me that like it felt new mm-hmm. and um, each experience can be very yeah. different and, you know show kind of different little issues and different things. And, um, you know, just because you nursed like multiple kids doesn't mean the next one is going to be a breeze. Yeah. Um, And you have to teach them all. Like that's the whole thing is they don't come out. You're both learning. Yeah. They they come out. I know I said biologically, instinctively, like most babies will know that the breast is someplace to find food, but most babies aren't going to know that they can't really be lazy and they've got to open their mouth really, really wide. And sometimes you have to pull them off and show them and make sure that they're where they need to be. And you'll absolutely learn to do that with the right resources in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're out there. They're really, really Mm -hmm. hard to find sometimes because we're not doing a great job. Um, But there are so many people out there that are willing to help. Um, So message us. We're on chat all the time. Email. Um, We will find you local resources if you need it. Um, But yeah, I hope this is helpful. We didn't really say a whole lot, but nutrition and Mm -hmm. staying hydrated, um, all those are just so important for everything, milk production, your mental health and and all of that. Try to get some sleep. And like, it's just starts to snowball though. Like when you don't have support in other parts of your life, the things that you can't measure like milk production and whether you're doing a good job as a mom, it all just starts Mm -hmm. to snowball. So Um, yeah, take care of yourself and try and find those resources and you know, you're going to be okay. Well, thanks Lindy. Yeah.